It says you're at Neapoli. Oh. You're so close. That's very funny. That's fun. Chooses location. So how long have we known each other? <laughs> We've known each other about 11 years, right? So, because 2010 is when the meeting at Brookdale was. Yeah. When Jane Denny brought me to that meeting. Yeah. That was a really interesting yeah. afternoon. I was so nervous about that. I, I had no idea what I was walking into because uh, my principal at the time basically said, you're going to this. And I was nervous to go to it because I had just come off a crazy year of flying the flag. And then I didn't necessarily want to keep flying the flag because I didn't know what kind of retribution or whatever I was going to get at the new school or right. how I was going to be received. That's better. Right. But uh, so then I said, no, I'm going. And then the rest is history. And I started a GSA and went from there. Yeah, I was really nervous. I thought maybe five people would show up. So I was like really pleasantly surprised when and I saw like people from all people, of uh, At least. We had uh, 67 sign-ins, I think. Really? Almost 70 people attended because they were into the back room. That room was so small in there. Okay, because I remember I was in the little room. Yeah. Okay. We were very, we were very, um, and it was people from all sorts of environments too. So I was really heartened that people in education in this part of Monmouth County, especially, were ready to do some of this work. Mm -hmm. um, I was so uh, in a state of um, sort of a combination of shock and anger and sadness. Um, and I, you know, there was just starting to be easily accessible statistics around um, student rates of suicide, attempts at suicide, who fell into the queer community, queer and trans community at that point. And I just couldn't figure out like, what was the, what would help change it? What would help create a better situation for kids? And I thought a lot about what we did when I was in college, which was bring people in who were a little bit older than us, but all different walks of life. And it kind of helped us see you can make it past some of these right. gauntlets. Uh, right, exactly. And, and for me, the one big piece that I learned after the year that I had was, um, was really just, you have to put yourself out there. Because when you put yourself out there, and when one of these kids sees you for who you are and understands that they are who they are, it serves as real, true inspiration and security. Yeah. Like, you always kind of wonder, like, why does that kid keep showing up in study hall? Like, who, they're not in one of my classes. And I get that question from some other teachers sometimes. <coughs> like, why does this kid come to you if they're not in your art class? Right. Like, well, right. it's a whole other set of things. Yeah. I remember I had a, I had a class where, um, where that happened. It was at the beginning of, like project-based learning or problem-based learning and um this kid had done a project on because it was civil rights so he had wanted to really dive into the whole stonewall issue because he knew that i was gay and i said you know and he was talking to me about it and i was like sure absolutely i'll help you with whatever you want um but we had a conversation about presenting it to the class because it was a bunch of rough kids. And to my surprise, at the end of class, <clears throat> a bunch of those rough kids 
applauded him. Like they just stood up and applauded him. And you, and as a teacher, you can tell the when somebody's mocking right. the applause. Right. But they, but they were really they were applauding him for doing what he did. And you know, some of his friends were crying, and you know, it was the amount of courage. Right. It takes young people. Right. And you know, not to throw it to King and I, but you know, we learn from the students we teach. Right. I, I mean, it's, it's, I, I frequently get a question that is, why do we still need this? Like, there's this notion that we've achieved parity just because there's marriage equality. Um, and there's a lack of understanding of how many ac actual legislative initiatives there are to strip people like you and I mm -hmm. of, of rights. Um, there's still thousands of rights that aren't accessible to us if we move to another state in the nation. And I, um, I have to remind people, like, you know, kind of kind of gently, if I can, it's not always the case, but like, you have it pretty good in New Jersey, but we shouldn't be thinking that we have it good. We've had to fight for this. It should be parity, period. Mm -hmm. um, and not like, I worry about our kids that are now want to graduate and they want to go to school, say, in Louisiana, right? right. And great, great colleges down there. They're going to have less rights when they go down there. Mm-hmm. And I'm, and I'm worried about their safety in places. Um, we've seen social acceptance lower. Um, there's definitely, you know, outgrowths of some of the um, political fighting that's happened that put specifically these kids, uh, especially those that are trans or gender nonconforming, uh, in, a, in a real dangerous place. Mm -hmm. um, and I, and I sort of feel like our initiatives to create opportunities for positive visibility in school are certainly affirming for the kids that identify in the spectrum, but are really for the other kids to learn why those discriminatory behaviors, why staying silent in those places is a really bad idea. Yep. And, and I feel like the work that, the work that we've done has served and will continue to serve based on whatever our future holds uh, as inspiration. Yeah. You know, both of us come from districts that are considered, I don't know, <laughs> conservative. Mm -hmm. And to, to have made the strides that we've made in those districts mm -hmm. is to be applauded. But we need to we need to still constantly look to the future because we haven't done everything yet mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and not that we will ever do everything right but it's just this idea of you have this little bubble like mm -hmm. these kids do mm -hmm. they think it's all great because they live in this little bubble mm -hmm. but once you step outside that bubble it's a totally different story right you need to take what you've learned and go influence somebody else yeah so how how do what are some of your thoughts on how we achieve that with these <clears throat> workshops at convention? Well, I think, I mean, obviously going from district to district, you have a different populace, you have a different demographic, you have a different group of even teachers who all mostly come under the same um, thought wavelength as you and, and values. Um, but I feel, like it's, I feel like it's important for these teachers to see these workshops and to figure out how they're going to use them constructively. 
Mm-hmm. I don't know if I answered the question. Say no, the question I, again. Yeah, no, <laughs> I mean, I think, I think the question is like, why, how are these, how are these workshops relevant at a global, from a global perspective, right? Like, how are they relevant to a school, like mm-hmm. whether it's a building or a district? And why are they relevant at the classroom level? Well, the classroom level is the easiest because once you close that door, it's, it's your show. You know, you set the tone of what acceptance and inclusion means in your classroom. You know, you go out there and into the school, then you, then you as that teacher serves as that pioneer saying, this is what I did in my class and this is how well it worked. Mm-hmm. And go so on from there. Mm-hmm. Um, it's important that those of us in New Jersey feel lucky for five minutes that we have this law Mm -hmm. but we remember that the only other ones that have it are California and right that's it yeah Illinois Illinois and and Maryland is getting it yeah but it's you know we're lucky to live in this kind of area and have these kind of things that are brought to us which make it easier but we also have to remember that again serve as that inspiration and serve Mm -hmm. as that um, that teacher of teachers, mm-hmm. you know, we have to show what we're doing right. to other people. I mean, I think some of my biggest concerns drive my commitment to, to making sure that there's workshops available for as many people as possible, because we're, we're an idea state, like, yes, five minutes, pat ourselves on the back. We've great legislation. Um, but there's nothing after that. Mm-hmm. And so we've been doing this for a while, you and I, this group of people, um, and I'm and I'm hoping that like we turn the key and open up a door and say, "Come on in. These are the things that we've tried. I'd love your input. Mm-hmm. Here, you can experiment with this." Yeah. I mean, how often? Like, I I feel like I cut my teeth on this part of pedagogy because. I had witnessed so many professionals saying, oh, that's not for me in the classroom. You should go talk to a counselor. Yep. And I was personally tired of people saying that this was a diagnosis instead of a social construct that we were wrestling with. Because that's so 40 years ago. Right. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) You know, um, but again, to take, you know, to take your words of being first responders, Mm -hmm. we are. You know, we are first responders. We often are the ones that the kids come to and trust with information that they can't tell anybody else. Mm -hmm. Or we're the ones who really spend the majority of the day with them in this box. Mm -hmm. And we observe and we look at their demeanor, at their physical um, stature. Mm -hmm. You can tell when students are anxious. You can tell when students are depressed. You can tell when students are feeling out of place. And it's your job as a teacher to notice that. And it could be for something completely different. Right. However, but related to this work, you know, you, if that student says to you, well, I'm a member of this community, you know, the LGBT plus whatever community, however they would identify, it's your job then, if they're telling you that, you are the one that serves as that um, keeper of that 
heat right. or that flame, I guess you could say. Um, you know, I like my little metaphors. Uh, but then you have to do with it what you will to make that kid feel more included. Yeah. To make that student feel secure. Right. So oftentimes that is now including these themes in your lessons. Right. You know, or calling them by whatever name they want to yeah. be called. Using the appropriate hurt, right? pronoun. It doesn't hurt. I know. It helps. I mean, this year I had a, this year I had a student who happened to be like the daughter of a friend and a colleague, okay? But I had only met her once or twice. You know, she knew who I am because her mother talked about me all the time. Very quiet, very um, unassuming, nice kid. Um, in class, said, okay, I want to be called, you know, by my name. Then attends GSA and then identifies as something completely different and as, you know, non-binary and says, okay, so just call me by J, the first letter of, you know, my, my name. Okay, cool. And that's it. Yeah. But then you turn around in class and I remembered this and I said, oh, hey, J, can you answer number two? And the physical change in her and the total, yeah, you know. Yeah, it's, I mean, are the authority figures in our lives, right? Like, we don't have to be authoritative to have been granted this authority. Right. And young people, I mean, because of our particular school system and they start pre-K, kindergarten, elementary, middle school, high school, by the time we get them as high school educators, there's a a long history they have with people framing the rules how we're going to do these things how you're going to be called how you're going to sit in class how you're going to go to your locker and they are at this uh emerging sense of agency and if we don't start considering that other parts of their identity are subject to this agency right it's not just I'm going to be driving soon. I have to think about college. How am I going to be more responsible from an executive function standpoint? These are students who are saying, just because this is the name I was given is not the name I'm going to use. Mm -hmm. And I, and I think about that, like I have a, a last name that I think is very simple to say. It's a six letters. It's a, you know, there's no accents or non, uh, traditionally English, uh, you know, pronunciation right. to it or whatever, but eight out of 10 times is mispronounced because people come with their own set of ideas around name pronunciation and where letters fall in a word. And, and that's outside of gender. That's outside of the, the sort of personal identity of choosing a name. If that's happening to me in a totally innocent fashion, and I kind of feel some sort of way about it. Like, I want to correct you. My name means something to me. Right. It's about my family. Name it's is about power. these things, right? What are these kids feeling? Right. When, they're, when they ask and it's not being um, respected right. or honored. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's, you're, you know, I often tell the adults when, um, when I present, is this idea of put yourself into a position that you were in when you felt 
different. Mm -hmm. And it could be for anything because mm -hmm. we've all felt different at some point. Mm -hmm. um, it doesn't necessarily have to be something related to this, but right. you know, when you felt different, right. when you felt outside of the norm, right. and then you were treated differently because of that, right. how did that make you feel? You know, I think a lot of us think about it in sports terms, right? Like we're a right. sports driven culture and like, um, I think about how bad I was until I got good and mm -hmm. the difference in how I was treated when I could. And, and I'm thinking like, and that's just sports. Mm -hmm. Like I'm not going to even play it that could, past high school. <laughs> it could go, it could go with, right. It could go with anything. It could go with right. a, a learning disability. Sure. You know, I have a form of dyslexia and I was... I was told by certain teachers that I would never be anything because of that disability oh, and look where, and look where I am. Right. You know, so it, 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 oftentimes that, fe that feeling of difference has nothing to do with, you know, what you, with, actually, what you actually are. Yeah. So, um, it's important to remember that. Yeah. And it's important to remember that as adults who are in the, in the business of, educating the whole child and you know creating this adult of the future we need to not only remember to teach them the math the art the history the english the phys ed whatever we need to create actual people right you know and people joke that we raise kids we really are the parents sometimes yeah and this is part of parenting is teaching your child to accept differences around them yeah because we, we ultimately we live together mm -hmm. right and so what what do i what do i gain by being the nasty neighbor or treating my neighbors in a terrible way like these are the like those kind of fundamental life lessons for some people they align with certain values right so they right. might have spiritual values around this um, but I also think that it's just like, it's like civics. We learn when we listen to one another. And I, and I think about some of these workshops that are going to be offered. Like, yeah, we're going to talk about foundations of inclusive approaches, right? This, this is like, why, why does it matter? How do we get to a place where we're prepared for it? But some of these other workshops are going to be conversations with content area folks. Like, I'm, I'm especially excited about um, STEM. I'm mm -hmm. especially excited about uh, ELA because giving people books is always like right. such an amazing, um, it, it turns a lock. It's the key that turns a lock for a mm -hmm. lot of teachers. Mm -hmm. um, and and even, you, you know, to, to go to the whole philosophy of the book Reading the Rainbow, even though it deals with early, mm -hmm. um, early childhood or early, early education literature, some of the themes and strategies in there can be applied to the higher ed. Right. It's about questioning. Right. It's about considering. Right. It's about examining the entire picture. Mm -hmm. It doesn't just have to be that this character is or is not. Right. You know. Right. It's not as simple as direct representation. And I think people, some of the pushback that I've heard and certainly you've shared that you've heard as well is like, well, we've represented you at this time or in this thing. Mm -hmm. Isn't that kind of enough? And I... And I think the question has to be deeper. It's not just about direct representation, although we know that continues to um, uh, signal Help. to young people 
whether they are or are not invited into a profession. That's something we certainly see in science, in tech and engineering and math, is that there's a lower representation of women, there's a lower representation of queer folks, there's a very low representation of people um, who, uh, there's gender identity, um, you know, maybe either in question or they've, you know, they consider themselves trans or non-binary. Um, and, and, and lower than is statistically like appropriate, right? It's not right. A rep directly represented. And when I talk to adults in those fields, they're so empirically minded as scientists that the, the work calls to them where it doesn't, but they also look around and say, I see people like me or I don't see people like me. Mm -hmm. Can I do work in this environment? That ends up being a wholly different question than considering in the visual arts, in social studies, in ELA, how the motives of people interacting with those identities, right? So it's not that the artist or the uh, historical figure or the uh, character is LGBTQAI, right. but what does it mean to consider those topics, those themes, to challenge masculinity, to challenge it, femininity. You know, I often take, I often take for granted that because I teach history, it is, it is obvious, you know, you can always do that interplotting. You could always do that, say, oh, hey, and by the way, mm -hmm. you know, this person was gay, this mm -hmm. person was whatever. Um, but it, it's, it, it's important to remember that the transformation that we have gone through, and, and this is just in the last, like, you know, 15 years, I don't know, whenever the, whenever the movie Milk came out. Oh, right, sure. I, you know, I knew beforehand who Harvey Milk was. Other right. people knew beforehand who Harvey Milk was. However, I don't remember this giant national understanding of who Harvey Milk was and what his con contribution really right. was. But then you turn it to, you know, the presidential primary of the last election right and all of a sudden you have this um you have this candidate pete Buttigieg, who was an out and proud gay male mm -hmm. and the idea of going from then to now mm -hmm. you can ask that question of what does it mean to be a member of the lgbtq plus community in national politics mm-hmm mm-hmm or in politics, period, mm -hmm. you know, and we have other representation in different states, mm -hmm. um, like the first, uh, the trans woman who was elected. Charlotte Clymer? Right. You know, you can now say, what does it mean to be this person right. in this role? Right, because it's not just their policy positions which make them a, a candidate, um, what we would consider a substantial candidate in the field. Uh, but this kind of ceiling breaking behavior for other people. We're, mm -hmm. we're also, you know, I think at the, a place where we have role models again, I sort of feel like um, it's very present for me at my age that I was coming of age where the uh, adults, the people who were just starting out in the field who are ahead of me were succumbing to the AIDS crisis. Mm -hmm. and, mm -hmm. I, and I certainly feel like that gap that we talk about of like losing like the number of artists the number of kind of cultural contributors the number of people that 
um, that died as a result of that were our innovators, our, our, um, our kind of creative um, spiritual advisors, right. if you will. Um, and we're now back at a place where we have another generation who's, who has survived this mm-hmm. um, or is surviving this. And we stand to say, no way. We're making up for some lost time here, but these are our role models in all of these areas. Yep. Um, we are everywhere. Mm-hmm. And your policies, your whatever, are unjust and disproportionately affect young people. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's... For, for myself personally, you know, like going back to the going back to the election and Pete Buttigieg and whatever, to have somebody like him be running for office who also happens to be close to my age, you know, I'm a little older, but whatever. Um, you know... You, he is a young thing. He, he is. <laughs> um, but you look... And, and married to an educator. Uh-huh. So he understands... You know, I... I yes, I, support, I supported him mm-hmm. right out the gate. And not because of that, but because of his policies and whatever. But because I, I felt like he understood who I was as a person and had similar values to myself. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And yes, the whole being, you know, that kinship of the being both members of the LGBT community, that was secondary, but it was still really cool. Yeah. And what it showed our students was, was that, oh, hey, I no, I no longer have to be someone who hides in the background or is and also mm-hmm. ran mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, to get to as high as he did. It's, you know, it's, it's an inspiration, you know, not only, you know, with that, yeah. Right. I mean, and I, I think it's interesting because, I mean, we're talking sort of about politics as a representative tool. Um, and that tells us something because we're, we're talking about people that represent us, right? We're now saying as a culture that, and, and the, the sort of legislative, and I understand that it's politics and not everybody, you know, it's partisan, all these things. Right. But these people are not only smart, not only accomplished, not only educated, not only have, uh, you know, proven resumes or whatever, but they're okay to represent us. And that message that our, that our young people see, uh, and Andrew Brooke, mm-hmm. the new, he's, uh, Grewal is moving on and he's been named the interim AG for New Jersey out. Yeah. And, and I think that like having, um, having representatives, not just on a national level, but understanding these people are in New Jersey, mm-hmm. right? So it, it's in our government, it's in our schools. Like I sort of feel like workshops and having these conversations about lessons and what it looks like to do something inclusive in the classroom is also about giving visibility to the people we work with. Right. Um, and, and letting kids know that it's not just, you can become this astronaut, engineer, artist, athlete, right? Because we've got right. sort of cultural representatives all over, but you also have a trusted adult right in your building. Right. Because there was a time, not so long ago, mm-hmm. when it was not mm-hmm. allowed, or you mm-hmm. could be fired for mm-hmm. being an out gay teacher. Mm-hmm. 
I was know, advised my Florida. first and 10 <laughs> years of my first 10 years of teaching. I was yeah. advised you don't talk about that here. Right. Same with me. And that's and that to me that to me is, you know, bringing bringing this whole thing back around is you know, to to have my journey and to go from not wanting to fly the flag anymore to then being compelled to fly the flag because of what happened with Tyler Clemente. Mm -hmm. And then years later to have a student produce a film and win awards and be shown at random places where I have friends who all called me and were like, do you know you were in a movie? Um, but like, but to, to have this film comparing what it is to come out as a teenager now and what it is to be an out and proud gay male in education. Yeah. And then going from just step to step, mm -hmm. I'm constantly amazed at what we have been able to do and how we always seem to find something new where we have to get involved. Right, like that, oh, I didn't think about that right. moment. Yeah, because because that I mean that continues to happen for me like close, closing the gap like we're we're talking uh, I was in a workshop last week and the question came down to how how do I approach getting this information from my students if I've never talked about this before right and so we had a long conversation about the merits of a an, an first day of class mm -hmm. procedure where we take like all right, what, um, and, and this comes from another educator that we work with, like they work in a very religiously diverse community. And so part of their onboarding in September every year is, okay, tell me about what major holidays you have that might impact when you have your meals, other activities. Hmm. Tell me about uh, if I call home, is there a specific way you want me to refer to you? And her framing of it was never about uh, signaling to students who have a consistent um, a consistent identity with how they were born and how they present. So not really tipping the cisgender kids to the fact that that might be an issue for peers in the class, but obviously signaling to younger st other students in the class, if you need me to call you something in class that's different than when I call home, I'm what? here for you. Right. And so we had a really, uh, you know, a spirited conversation about is that an individual teacher thing do we do that as a department do we do that as a school and and i you know was talking with them like what you do as a school signals what kind of community you are right um you know uh lori so dr mm -hmm. burns as an administrator when we talk about that with administrative teams it's forms and norms what does your school say about you that you're not paying attention to yep um and, and so that all came out of conversations that started in the classroom. Well, you know, I show up in this class and, the, and these are kids. Like I had to do all these uh, questions of other database administrators because can you change a kid's name if it's not a legal change? Like right. how is your school set up? Right. Because nobody's given guidance on that. Yeah. So we keep finding more places where more we places have to help. Where we have to get involved. Yeah, help people to. And, and one of the things that, you know, that this brought to light is the is the idea of that global school community you know the two of us being high school teachers having a very you know view from ninth grade on but considering the others it's really important that we need to 
dive deep into the elementary grades. Big time. Because, you know, just a personal story about, about friends of mine who happen to be two gay male, you know, a couple, have a child. Um, Mother's Day popped up. And the teacher didn't even, th didn't even think about it and immediately then called home and was like, okay, so oops, what do, I, what do I do? I don't want to have your son feel left out. What do I do? So then what they did was they ended up changing it to like a someone special day or something to that effect mm -hmm. where you can honor whoever you want. Yes, we know we all have these Hallmark holidays, but th this goes into changing our cultural norms mm -hmm. you know we need to include everybody right. and we need to be able to teach that inclusion right and that understanding at our most early right because it's not just the kids identity it's their family what about an uncle or a sibling right. their parents their grandparents we're right. that generation right right we have a lot of gay grandparents yep yep <laughs> absolutely know? absolutely and, and and I, you know, and that, that's another, like, that's a wholly other thing. People coming out much later in life as well, right? Mm -hmm. um, but our kids, if we don't teach them empathy, mm -hmm. right? If we don't say that it is, a, it is valuable to us as a community to accept and affirm people as they are and to not try and change them, we set ourselves up for a, a lifetime of challenges in school and afterwards. Yep. And we, and yes, we'd all like to say, oh, I teach my students or I teach my own personal children to accept mm -hmm. and understand that diversity is a thing and everyone. And, you know, I don't teach my children to discriminate. Right. You may, as an individual, not do that. However, there's a community around us that does. Mm-hmm. And we need to make it understood that that's not right. cool. Yeah, I mean, just to like get granular about that, just saying you don't teach a young person to discriminate doesn't conversely mean you teach them to accept and affirm either. Right. Number one. Number two, it doesn't mean you're addressing on any level the systems that got us to this place. Mm -hmm. And, and I feel really strongly that education that gives young people language to say, that's confusing. People, adults in my life outside of school, don't talk about it that way. How did we come to that as a cultural understanding? I mean, these are more elevated statements, but fundamentally, if we don't give young people a reason to say, why, why do we have a color association? Right. Why do we have gender expression associations and give them language around that. We never help them unpack the other things. We just let it stand. Our silence right. is our sort of punishment. You right. know? So three things that you want people to take away from the workshops. I want people to take away a deeper understanding of why this work is necessary and why we as teachers need to include this in our lessons and in our own classroom and school communities. Um, that's one. Two is 
the idea that just because you don't know it doesn't mean you can't do it. Because that's the one question I always get, or the one statement I always get. I don't know any of this history. Well, how did you learn history to begin with? Right. You know, or whatever you, whatever subject, you know, you go out and you find it. It's there. You know, I'll give you the springboard, but you have to, you know, take that and go. Um, and the third is, hmm. I had two really good ones. And the third that are, is that not only with, you know, the assessment, with whatever, the kids should drive our instruction. The kids should drive our instruction. Yeah. We're, we should not just be using things that are easy to use. We should constantly be listening to them mm-hmm. and having them really tell us what they want to learn about. Yeah. I would like teachers to develop a reflective practice that comes to this. Like, I would like people who attend these workshops to come away with a sense of like, not panic, not anxiety, not, I don't know how I'm going to implement this, but like an ability to sit back and say, here's this one lesson I do every year and I'm ready to take the dive and, and open this one up. Mm-hmm. It's like taking a car out on an open road. I'm, I'm ready for that. Another thing I'd really like educators to come out of is the sense of doing it together, like mm. creating cross-disciplinary um, kind of alliances in order to have deeper conversations, like knowing what happens, it, certainly at the high school level, um, I know it's possible, where you know a particular uh, text is being covered or a particular time period, and you can supplement that in another content area um, so that you have an ability to deepen a student's understanding, create more more viewpoints, you know? Right. Uh, and I think the third thing is I want especially teachers who are in continuing education, perhaps at the graduate or doctoral level, I'd like them to start to see the gaps in their teacher preparation mm. training. And I, and I want them, if they become professors or if they end up working as a mentor to other teachers to affect change on that level. Mm. Nice. You're, also, you're so much better at the jargon than I am. I'm Kate Oakson. I'm a 24-year public school educator. I primarily teach studio art, um, and occasionally I teach an AP art history course in my central New Jersey district. Um, I'm co-founder of Make It Better for Youth, and I've been doing work with a team of teachers and administrators throughout Monmouth County and the surrounding area for about the last 11 or 12 years, um, trying to improve outcomes for students in high schools. And the conversation that I'm having here today is the kind of foundation and some of our current thinking that brings us to this point where we're creating workshops for other teachers. I'm Steve Kamoulis. I've been teaching for about 18 years. And uh, in the central New Jersey, I teach history. Um, I've taught all levels of special ed from self-contained to general ed uh you're gonna have to edit a lot of this out um 
I've taught uh, US 1, US 2, world history. Uh, currently, I teach AP world history at my school. Um, my work with, uh, with Make It Better started uh, 10 years ago, and I am the education director there. I am also a board member of Central New Jersey GLSEN, where I'm a presenter. And I have grown to really love this work because I feel like it is important, it is necessary, and it truly does affect the future. We're both officers at different levels of our associations from locals uh, through county um, and participate in multiple workshops and, and panels uh, with NJEA. Um, our work directly with teachers through these avenues has um, you know, bettered my practice for sure because I get exposed to people outside of my district in a way that's uh, natural but an affinity grouping around improving education. Um, and I, you know, hope that our relationships um, with both local associations and county associations continue to make available workshops like this for teachers in perhaps underserved parts of the state of New Jersey. Mm -hmm.